Praise the Lord, everyone. It's another great Sunday here at the Summit Church. 1119 Superior Avenue, we're here. I'm glad you can attend today. Uh, today is National Father's Day, and I have a special message for fathers, but also I have a message for uh, children of uh, divorced parents. I'm going to start with the reading of a book called The Korean Frontier. Uh, the foreword to this book was written by a son who greatly admired his father, the qualities of his father. And uh, the father's name was Eldon, the son's name was Dave. And uh, the son's going to write this in this father's book. And I'd like you to listen to it because it has the qualities of a godly man. The Korean Frontier, foreword. I've always known that my parents were outstanding but experiences in my adult life and ministry have increased my appreciation for their exceptional qualities. Their lives truly embody faith, holiness, and spirituality. It has been a great anchor for me to know that despite any failure or disillusionment I encounter, they will always stand for truth and godliness, and I owe much to their training. Throughout their ministry, they have displayed a rare combination of evangelical zeal, doctrinal fidelity, and leadership ability. Both are noted for anointed biblical preaching and teaching, as well as wise counsel. In addition, my father is a great planner and organizer, while my mother has devoted herself to theological research, and she's exercised a special ministry of inspiring faith and consecration. I've seen few couples work more closely or effective as a team. My father is uncompromisingly honest and faithful. Many times I've known him to speak or act in accordance with his conscience, ethics, and convictions regardless of the personal cost. He's also very patient. Many times he's undergone such stress, opposition, and abuse that I've marveled at his ability to survive physically and mentally, much less maintain the proper spiritual attitude. Few people have withstood such intense spiritual pressure and fury trials, and his endurance until victory is both a tribute to his tenacity and a miracle of God's grace. Dad is a humble man desiring only to live simply and advance the work of God. After establishing a great work in Korea, they could have easily spent the rest of their ministry in a position of leadership and honor there. Nevertheless, they felt compelled in the will of God to return, believing they had a further contribution to make to the kingdom of God. Consequently, their life of sacrifice is not over. After 21 years of missionary service, they had few of the material rewards, close contacts, or opportunities for ministry that American preachers of their stature and achievements do. And so they found themselves starting all over, establishing a home missions church in a relatively unevangelized parish of South Louisiana, enduring the trials of pioneer work again, but also seeing a fresh divine miracles of salvation, deliverance, and provision. In the prologue of the book, the missionary himself gives accolades to his wonderful wife, 
who went to Korea with him. I would like to express my heartfelt thanks to my wife, Loretta. She has received a call along with me and has willingly given all of her ambitions, talents, and strength to the work of God. Without her, this book would have been impossible. There are still many spiritual frontiers to be conquered. May this account inspire someone to give his all or her all so that other new territories may yet be added to the kingdom of God. Um, that wasn't my voice. That was my son, Patrick, um, who volunteered to read the foreword to that book. Uh, due to my uh, inability to see, I'm uh, about 50% blind. People don't know that. But anyway, um, the qualities of this missionary are incredible. And this young son, um, when he wrote this, um, he admired his father. Many people don't get a good father. And uh, this boy did. They are out there. They are typically men of God. Um, if you are come from a divorced family and uh, you didn't have a father in your life, I want you to know that in the Christian life, Jesus can be your father. He can give you all the qualities that were missing uh, in your life. No one is complete without a dad. And uh, if you didn't have a good dad and you're bitter towards him or angry or maybe it's just missing, you don't have any anger at all, you can't be a complete person without the qualities of a father. That's why the Christian life is for all of us. Um, it'll complete us what's missing in our life. So I'm going to reread these qualities that this uh, young man wrote about his dad and see if uh, you can pass them along. If you're a father and uh, you're listening to the sermon today, um, I'm going to post uh, this list in the show notes of uh, our podcast this week, and uh, you can print them out and put them on your refrigerator. And then I'm going to talk about some of the men in the Bible that had great qualities that we can all follow as men. So hang on to your seats. Here we go. The first quality is faith holiness, spirituality. The second stands for truth and godliness. The third, evangelical zeal, doctrinal fidelity, and leadership ability. The fourth, anointed biblical teacher, wise counselor, and a great planner and organizer. Fifth, effective team worker with his wife. Sixth, uncompromisingly honest and faithful. Seven, speaks and acts with ethics and conviction, regardless of his personal cost. Eight, is patient, humble, while living simply in his life. Nine, he endures stress, opposition, and abuse with tenacity, mental toughness while maintaining the proper spiritual attitude. Number 10, follows the will of God, eschewing privilege, honor, and position. Number 11, does not seek material rewards. Number 12, continues to do the first works, willing to even start over yet again. And number 13, he gives honor to his wife, recognizing her value and contribution along with his ministry. 
Now that's a pretty tall yardstick that this uh, young man saw in his father and uh, it was such great admiration and wouldn't it be great if all of us were fathers that way or men of God that way had those qualities. It takes time to gain those kinds of qualities through the Spirit of Jesus Christ, through the fruits of the Spirit. In a lot of churches, in a lot of uh, church meetings, people will focus on the power of God as opposed to the character of God. But when the Bible talks about David, it says he was a man after God's own heart, meaning God's character. If we as men would simply seek Jesus for his fruits of the Spirit, his qualities, his character, the gifts and the power would follow automatically. And the greatest ministry that any man can have is his family. And uh, you can see the fruit of this man's ministry in his own son and in his life, his wife. What an awesome uh, example. Let's talk about some of the people, the men in the Bible and their key qualities that maybe you have recognized or haven't thought of. I'm going to go through a list here of just a few of the men, not all of them, but I thought they were worth mentioning. So let's start with that. So here are some of the qualities of these characters. For example, faith. Noah was a man of faith. Integrity. Job, in spite of his sufferings. Job, his greatest quality was his integrity. Uncompromising. Daniel, even though he went to a lion's den, he didn't give up his worship of the one God. Risk. Abraham took great risks. God didn't tell him a destination. He just walked forward day by day, hour by hour, trusting God. Um, endurance. Joseph was accused of wrongdoing, wrongfully accused, ended up in prison, and he kept a great spiritual attitude, and eventually God lifted him out of it. He went from a spoiled boy who tattled on his brothers to the number two ruler in Egypt, meekness. Moses was the meekest man on the earth. He met with God face to face, but meekness simply means he was totally dependent upon God. Obedient. Nobody was obedient like Samuel, the prophet. Samuel did not let one word drop to the ground, and that's why people feared him. They were intimidated. He might tell them what God told him courageous. Nobody was more courageous than King David. David slew Goliath with one stone. A little boy, young lad, teenager, goes against a giant. The devil's the greatest giant with just a loud voice. It takes great courage to overcome the voice of the devil. And David, of course, when he paid for his wife, Michelle, he paid with 200 foreskins of the Philistines. It took him a little bit of time. To, what, a, what a cost. And then uh, faithfulness. Nobody was more faithful than the priest Jehoiada, rescuing the lineage of King David, uh, Joash, uh, at the temple. Prayerfulness, a man of prayer. The prophet Elijah prayed, and it didn't rain for three and a half years and prayed again, and the rain fell. We need some Elijahs today to pray in our world. Teachable, Elisha, he followed Elijah wherever he went. He was teachable. 
he asked for a double portion of the anointing that was on Elijah. But let me just say one thing. Character is more important than anointing. Elijah stood on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Moses, not Elisha. Then, of course, we have the idea of being educated. Ezra, the priest, the scribe, he went for education and he tried to bring Israel back to faithfulness to the covenant. And then, of course, there's leadership. Nobody was a leader like King Josiah, who reformed and restored Israel in spite of a bad lineage, the lineage of Manasseh, the evil king. And finally, the sacrificial man, Jesus Christ, our God. No greater love has been demonstrated than the love of Jesus, who paid the penalty for our sins. Now, if you like this list of people, I've uh, included it in this document that I'll include in the podcast. You can download it. I encourage you to paste it on your refrigerator if you're a man and reread it on occasion and say, what qualities do I need in my life? And go to Jesus and ask him to help you acquire that character that he has, that God has, that he wants in our lives. Now, to uh, conclude this message today, I'm going to ask Miss Electron to read some scriptures for us, for fathers, and then I want to just uh, do a little bit of explanation on what she had to say. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 17. Therefore, having so vast a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, and throwing off everything that hinders us and especially the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us keep running with endurance the race set before us. 2. Fixing our attention on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, in view of the joy set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 3. Think about Jesus who endured such hostility from sinners, so that you may not become tired and give up. 4. In your struggle against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. 5. You have forgotten the encouragement that is addressed to you as sons, my son. Do not think lightly of the Lord's discipline or give up when you are corrected by him. 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he punishes every son he accepts. 7. What you endure disciplines you. God is treating you as sons. Is there a son whom his father does not discipline? 8. Now if you are without any discipline, in which all sons share, then you are illegitimate and not God's sons. 9. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. We should submit even more to the Father of our spirits and live, shouldn't we? 10. For a short time they disciplined us as they thought best, but God does it for our good, so that we may share in his holiness. 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, for those who have been trained by it, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. 12. Therefore, strengthen your tired arms and your weak knees. 13 and straighten the paths of your life, so that your lameness may not become worse, but instead may be healed. 14. 
pursue peace with everyone, as well as holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. 15. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes you trouble, or many of you will become defiled. 16. No one should be immoral or godless like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. 17. For you know that afterwards, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected because he could not find any opportunity to repent, even though he begged to repent with tears. In this great passage, we see that uh, Jesus despised shame, went to the cross, endured it for our joy, so that our character can be perfected. But yet, none of us like discipline. Fathers, fathers in your life are to provide not just love, but discipline. Now, keep in mind that after World War II, a man named Benjamin Spock wrote a book that told parents that they should not discipline their children. And it has created a generation of narcissists, lovers of themselves in our society today. And of course, this has provided chaos, uh, lawlessness, people who do not follow any rules or authority. We saw the outbreak of rebellion in the 1960s, the fruit of this book, and it has continued to the point where we have a generation of immoral people leading nations because they never received any discipline in their life. And so Jesus tells us that he disciplines us to provide us a righteous and peaceful life. Peaceful to know how to behave, to know how to get the qualities of the godly men that we listed uh, here. Each of them endured discipline from the Lord that brought out their greatest qualities. So don't despise it when God disciplines us to help us develop the character that he has. That's what a good father does. That's love, not abuse. Some fathers discipline out of anger. Jesus only disciplines us out of love, wanting to perfect holiness. Holiness is our proximity to God, how close we are to God. It's not a set of rules and, and uh, ordinances that uh, other men have put on you. Uh, you can't be more holy by how you dress or uh, what you eat uh, or things of that nature. But you can become more holy by drawing closer to Jesus Christ. And discipline is part of drawing close. God will not leave us the way that we are. Isn't that great? And peacefulness. Peace comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's what we need. It gives us a peace in our life. And uh, we can find that all men will see God when we live a peaceable life. Um, some people have misinterpreted that scripture that said that if you don't live holy, you'll never see God. That's not what that scripture means. It means that others will see who Jesus is if we live a holy life. Can you say praise the Lord? Well, listen, that's the uh, place where I wanted to conclude today was uh, right there. And I have one final scripture that my wife gave me uh, this morning on Father's Day. And I want to read that to you. And uh, that's where we'll finish today. Uh, let's have Miss Electron read it. Luke chapter 6 verses 43 to 45. 
For there is not a good tree that produces bad fruit, nor a bad tree that produces good fruit. 44. For each tree is known from its own fruit. For they do not gather figs from thorns. Nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. 45. The good man brings forth good out of the good treasure of his heart. And the evil man brings forth evil out of the evil treasure of his heart. For his mouth speaks out of the abundance of his heart. Thanks, Judy, for giving me that scripture. And what it means is that our words declare what fruits we are missing. Fruits of the Spirit, or the character of God, is what God is interested in for each of us. If you want some of the qualities to be a man of God, then just listen to yourself the words that come out of your mouth. You know, do I have words of hate? Do I have words of bitterness? Do I have words of anger? Or do I have peaceful words of love, kindness, joy? Examine what's coming out of our mouths so that we know what fruits we need. It's just a test. Isn't it nice that God tells us how to do that? And then go to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I need some fruits from your spirit. Mold me, God. Shape me. Make me the way that you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Well, to conclude uh, this message today, I wrote a song 12 years ago with my 12-year-old granddaughter, and we sang it together. Now, I want to play it for you uh, as a conclusion to our Father's Day service. This song is called Father's Day, and uh, she came out of a divorced family, and uh, she missed the number one thing that she wanted from her dad was time. And of course, in divorced families, it's very difficult for fathers to spend time with their children because of the distance. And, and normally children in divorced families end up with their mother. And it's a sad thing. Children need their father. They need the qualities that their dad brings. And that's what this song is all about. I hope you enjoy it. We'll see you next week here at the summit. Love